Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Take my mind. Conform it. Take my heart. Transform it. Take my will and conform it to yours. To yours. Oh God. So take my mind and form it. purpose be performed and not mine. Confessing my unworthiness to be called to this position. And my failures and my faults. But also thank you for the transformation that has taken place. Forgiveness that I received. Now speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. I am primarily going to be speaking to the men this men's Sunday, but I want you ladies to also tune in because it could very easily apply to you as well. Looking at the subject that I thought was appropriate, I don't want to hear nothing you have to say. It's not just about young people. This morning, Kalea was telling me I must have been listening to some young people music because there's a song out saying, you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> but we're not really talking about just the young folk. These words, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say, have been spoken by many individuals. For many different reasons. I myself have said them. We may say them face to face. We may even say them under our breath. And we say them more often in our hearts by our action. I recently heard a comment of this nature because the words that someone heard didn't match the walk of the person that spoke them. I don't want to hear nothing 
you got to say. Mm. It's one thing to say that to another person, but it's something entirely different when you say it to God Almighty. And this is what Jonah did by his action. The book of Jonah is unique because it speaks more about the prophet than it does his prophecy. It talks more about what the prophet does than what the prophet says. Jonah's rebellious disobedient cost him dearly. The same may be true of many men today. As I began to pray and I began to study about this topic, I gleaned 12 lessons that I think we can learn, men, from this text. 12 valuable lessons is my desire that we can learn a lesson. Lesson number one. God desires to speak through men, or God desires men to speak on his behalf. God desires men to speak on his behalf. Now, as we look at the text, let's look at the first chapter of Jonah, verses 1 and 2, and I'll be reading the ones we have from the English Standard Version, because I believe it brings out the clarity of the text. Verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Ithamai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. We can see from the text that Jonah was called to prophesize against Nineveh. Now being called was a great privilege and responsibility for the prophet. It was a great privilege for a prophet to be called and for Jonah specifically for this mission. The mark of a true prophet is when he received a message directly from God to speak on God's behalf. And you can see from the text that God told him, go. A great privilege to speak on God's behalf. But Jonah didn't think so. Nineveh was the uh, capital city of Assyria. And this is important. I want you to keep this in mind. It was founded by Nimrod shortly after the confusion of tongues at the Tower of Babel. For those of you who know this story, man thought that he was so much in charge that they wanted to build a tower so high it reached the heavens, but mainly because they could always look back and find their way back to their homeland when God told them to disperse. Nineveh was a great city, and when the scripture says great, it's talking about its size. It was 60 miles in circumference. It had streets and avenues 20 miles long. They were way ahead of that time. The city was surrounded by a 100 feet wall which was wide enough to have three chariots to parade up and down on the top. But Nineveh, much like Solomon 
from there. And all of Syria were very wicked. The people, remember I talked about the Tower of Babylon, they were consumed by their self-exaltation, human self-exaltation, thinking that they were invincible. They were also cruel people. Historical writing revealed that when they captured people, men, women, and children, they would fillet them right there in front of everyone in the baking sun, put sugar on them or syrup on them, and put them in an ant bed. They would also take their enemies and cut their heads off and allow the flesh to rot out and the build, they built a monument full of skulls to attest to their power. They were so depraved that they're evil. That behavior elevated up to the throne of God. And this is the reason that God called Jeremiah to go and speak against them. So number one, God desires men to speak on his head. And number two, I want y'all to catch this now. Men desire to do something that's impossible. Look at me with verse three. That's the first part of that. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Hold up right there. Jonah disobedience was not so much as not going to Nineveh. It was trying to run away from God. Notice what it says, from the presence of the Lord. Many men have treated God the same way when he called them. One of the things that I love about the Lord and Spirit was how I bear witness. If you were here this morning, Brother Jeff was telling us that Abram was not all that. He was not a morally good man. I think sometimes when God begins to tug on people's heart, they look at who they are and what they're doing, and they free, flee to their own tarshish. They hear the word of God. They know they should obey it, but they flee. Now, I want to ask you, what's your tarshish? What's your tarshish? Where are you fleeing? And you can tell where you flee to by where you're fleeing from. If you're fleeing from the presence of God, then you're fleeing to the presence of somebody else. But this is impossible. David said in Psalm 139, 7 and 8, these words, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Lesson number three. Men will pay the price. To run from God. Second part of verse 3. So he paid the fare and went down into it 
to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You see, once Jonah made a decision to flee, the next thing he had to do was pay the fare. Man, it will cost you when you're trying to run away from the call of God. But the price that Jonah paid was a bad investment. He never got to Tarshish. Number four, lesson number four, the things will get worse when you don't heed the call of God. Verse four says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. Jonah thought that he could just run away, pay his money from a divine assignment. But the Lord used this voice that he paid for as a teachable moment, an opportunity to teach him and us an important principle. The plans of a sovereign God cannot be detoured by mortal man. Lesson number five. Disobedience of God's will will cause an effect upon other people. Or as we've got it out there, God's call will affect other people around you. I want you to think about this, man, when you think about family, co-workers, or anybody involved, that disobedience to God's will will affect others around you. Verse 5. And the mariners were afraid. And each one cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to, to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. First point I want to bring out, this was no ordinary storm. This was like a Cat 5 hurricane or an EF5 tornado. These sailors were seasoned and well experienced, but this storm caused them to panic. They were so scared that they threw over the cargo. Now, I want you to miss this. They threw it over. This was their money. This was why they sailed. This cargo was like a year's wages that they were throwing overboard because they were so afraid. It's believed that these sailors were Phoenicians who believed in men and God, and, and, and each man would often choose what we call a patron God that he would pay homage to, make sacrifice to. So each one of these men began to call on their personal God, intervening in our circumstances, but to no avail. Notice this. While the sailors were afraid, Jonah was asleep. And in that, there's a point. Sometimes we need to be afraid, and we're really trying to ignore the problem. We fall asleep. Since calling on their gods, these, these Phoenician sailors, they call on their god, but nothing happened. So the captain became concerned. He went and woke Jonah up, and he told them, call on your god. This brings us to lesson six. 
your secret sins will be uncovered. Your secret sins will be uncovered. Verse 7. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. Where's your occupation? Where do you come from? Where's your country? Where are the people you are? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. Don't miss that. The God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Casting lot was a method of discovering God's will. Even God's people used that. You heard Jeff this morning talk about the ephod, that there was something else called the urine and the thumbing, where it was like bones that they threw, or dice that they threw to determine God's will. So it wasn't our order for them to do this. But God would have it that the lot fell on Jonah, and the sailors began to question him. Now, three things that he says in here that kind of just blew them out the water and it escalated the situation. The first thing he says, I'm a Hebrew. The Jewish reputation was known nationwide. Then he told them he worshiped, and notice it has the Lord here, not God. The Hebrew word here is Jehovah or Yahweh. That is God's personal name. And they had heard about Yahweh's victory in Egypt and also in Canaan. They knew of the power. Then he told them that Yahweh or Jehovah was God of the heaven and the earth, but more particular, the sea. And they recognize right now that we're in the middle of this storm, in the middle of a sea, and your God's in control of that. Lesson seven, storms of life will bring confession. Storms of life will bring confession. You heard Reverend Rouse saying this morning when he was uh, doing the offering that he messed up. He ain't the only one, I have too. And then we, we, when we mess up, we get to a point that we have to call on God because we should have did that the first time. It's just like me and doing things. I don't like to read instruction. My wife will tell you that. But when I don't mess up, guess what I do? I got to go back to the instruction. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Why were they afraid? Because he said he was a Hebrew. Because he said he was a Yahweh. Because Yahweh controlled the sea. What is this you've done? For the man knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he had told them. Confession. Verse 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you? That the sea may be quiet for us. Quiet down for us. For the sea grew more tempestuous and more. And he said to them, pick me up, hurry me into the sea. Then the sea will be quiet for you. Now get this, for I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. The sailor was absolutely amazed of Jonah's confession. 
They could not believe a Hebrew would flee from their all-powerful God trying to run away from Jehovah. And at this moment, they exercised more faith in the sovereignty and providence of, of Jehovah than Jonah did. Here's the point. Jonah's refusal, Jonah's disobedience was the result of his own personal prejudice and national patriotism. His ethnicity. He was a Jew. The Assyrians and the Jews hated each other. The Ninevites had done some awful thing not only to other people but to the Jews as well. And Jonah knew Jehovah was a forgiving God, a loving God, and that he was probably going to forgive the Ninevites, but Jonah did not want them to be forgiven. He felt like if he went to Nineveh and preached that he was a traitor. He believed at this moment that death was better than being a traitor. So he asked them and he was willing to throw me into the sea, expecting to drown. Lesson eight. And ladies, I, I want y'all to really hone in on this one. No one can help you when you're out of the will of God. And I know most ladies are praying women. I know they're hard new praying girl. Praying for your children, praying for spouse, praying for other folks. But no one can help you when you're out of the will of God. Your prayer ought to be for them to be in their rightful place in the will of God. Not for them to get out of jail. Not for them to find a job. But that they be in the will of God. And the will of God means that they have to go the hard road. So be it. You see, these men had good intention. They wanted to save Jonah, but it wasn't in God's will for Jonah to be spared the consequences of his disobedience. Y'all hear me, ladies? Sometimes the consequence of the disobedience will lead to deliverance. So after their failed attempts, they finally gave up and they cast Jonah in the sea. And I believe that as soon as his feet touched the water, the sea became calm. And this changed their lives forever. More on that in a minute. You see, because God went through with Jonah, which leads us to lesson number nine. Sometimes we must be engulfed in dark places. Sometimes we must be swallowed up before we will obey. Verse 17 says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, that may not seem like a very long time to many of us. It all depends on how your time clock works. But I want you to just think about, first of all, the trauma of being engulfed by a fish and staying in that dark place, confined for three days and three nights. 
during those three days and three nights, Jonah had a lot of time to think and to rethink his decision. The belly of the fish filled with decaying other materials was not a comfortable place. And God had to sometimes make us uncomfortable. And I know this message is probably making some of y'all uncomfortable. you just in the belly of a fish. Jonah should have suffocated. The stomach acid should have ate him up. But that was not God's will. Which leads us to lesson 10. God will answer prayers when we are ready to obey. We go on to chapter 2 now. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord Yahweh, his God, Elohim, from the belly of the fish. You notice anywhere in here in all chapter 1, when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, he never prayed. We talked about that in faith development this morning, huh? When, 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 when David prayed in an adverse time, you don't see Jonah praying until he's in the belly of the fish. So sometimes, man, you're going to have to get engulfed. Some may have to go to jail. Some may have to experience some traumatic event in, the, in their life before they pray. Skipping down to verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon dry land. If you look at verses 2 through 9, you will notice something unique about Jonah's prayer. It's a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. He does not at one time say, Lord, get me out of here. He does not act once for deliverance. He just gives glory and honor to God. Kind of reminded me of a song that we sang, This is How I Fight My Battles. Lesson 11. Thank God for this. God is a God of second chances. Skipping down to chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. Verse 3 says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, According to the word of the Lord. Let's just hold it right there for a minute. God repeated the same words, the same call, but I want you to notice it was without criticism or chastisement. God could have said, I told you, boy, go to Nineveh. You went to Tarsus or tried to go. Now get up and go. God just said, after the experience, arise and go 
The Hebrew rendition of that really is said, get up and make it good. Make good what I already told you to do. Three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. And told John, it's, it's better for me to obey God than to listen to my feelings. I did not want to be a traitor to my nation. But it's better for me to put my feelings aside and do what God has told me to do. Finally, lesson 12. The word of the Lord will have its desired effect. Continuing with verse 3. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, three days' journey in breadth. In other words, it took three days to go across that city. And Jonah began to go into the city going in a day's journey, and he cried out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believe God. They called for a fast and put on stock call from the great to the least. It would normally have taken three days to go through the city of Nineveh. We don't know exactly what the text implies here, but the word of God that Jonah spoke was so powerful that it was known within one day what God had said. I want you to also notice this. Jonah's message was not one of repentance. Not one time does it say, if you don't turn around, I'm going to overthrow. It said, in 40 days, this is what's going to happen. It was a message of judgment. Even though it was not a message of repentance, the word of God touched these hardcore people. And they believed Jonah's word and they acted on it. The entire city was called to repent. A fast was proclaimed, not only for the man, but for the dogs and the cats and the mice and everything. They put on clothes of mourning. And it says in one of the resources, from the king to cow, everything displayed sorrow. And they repented. And in my mind, when I read this, and I read this several times over my time in ministry, why in the world did the people repent? I realize the word of God has power, but I'm talking about the Ninevites. The people that felt like they could go up to God's throne and disobey God. What about? Well, number one, they were very superstitious people. And there were two events that happened. Somewhere near, before, or doing all of this. One, first of all, there was a famine. Heard about that this morning, didn't you? It was a famine where nothing grew. But it was such a famine, all of a sudden everything died. Everything died. The other event was a total eclipse. 
I mean, a total eclipse. Everything went black. And in their superstition, they realized that something of divine nature was happening. Now, others believe this, and this could be a combination of it, that, that when Jonah was, and notice the word, vomigup, that there was some Ninevite fishermen near the land where he was vomited up. And he comes up with all this seaweed and all this other stuff, and the acid has affected his skin. He looked like someone who had been swallowed by a fish. And since they worship Dagon, the fish god, they saw it as a sign from their god. But the bottom line, they heard the word of God. And it had an effect on the life. Today, men, you have heard the word of the Lord. And like Jonah, you got choices. Tarshish is right out the door. You can choose to flee to your Tarshish, or you can choose to obey. If you choose to flee, you are telling God, I don't want to hear nothing. You got to say. When he tells you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you are saying, I don't want to hear nothing. You got to say. When he tells you, fail not to assemble yourself in the house of the Lord. And you decide you'd rather wash your car. You are telling him, I don't want to hear nothing. You got to say. When he tells you to raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and you know you should have them at church, and you don't, you are telling him, don't want to hear nothing. You got to say. When he tells you to live holy and separate yourself from the world, but you rather party, you are telling him, Nothing. You got to say. And if it's tapping on your shoulder, get involved in ministry. And you'd rather just sit back. You're telling him, I don't want to hear nothing. You got to say. But there will come a time when you got to stand before God. You're going to be called to give an account for the gift and the life He has given you. And at that moment, many of you are going to try to make excuses. Lord, I was tired. 
Lord, you know I wasn't right. Lord, you know that woman wasn't right. Lord, you know this. And God going to look at you and say, I don't want to hear nothing. You got to say, let us stand. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.